my name is Kate the Socialite and you're listening to episode 50 of The Kate Show. Because it's a new year and we are all about decluttering our homes, our minds, and our businesses, we're going to spend today talking about the three rules for decluttering your marketing. And the good news is, guys, this is so easy, it is so refreshing, and it never leads to you doing more work to market your business. In fact, it often leads to less but more focused work, which can at times actually decrease your marketing budget, but always, always increase the return on your investment, no matter how big or how small that marketing investment is for you. This applies to you whether you do all of your own marketing or whether you have hired or outsourced other parts of it. So this is going to help you as you move into the new year with a fresh perspective on what you actually do and honestly don't need to be doing to market your business. Right now, we business owners are spread very thin because we're being told that we have to do 101 things and if we don't, our business will fail. That is a load of baloney. So we're going to bust some myths. I'm going to give you three rules to follow. Just three, no more. It's going to be easy and impactful and actionable for your business. So stay tuned. Marketing your interior design or home staging business should be easy and relational. My name is Kate the Socialite, and I believe in action, not just ideas. And I share strategies that have proven to work right here every week. If you're serious about growing your business in the home industry, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Kate Show. Before we dive into our topic today, I want to share something with you guys because we are friends, okay? We're a community. I speak with so many of you on a regular basis, and I am so excited to share with you the very personal news that I'm about to share, and that is that my husband, Matt, and I are expecting our first baby at the end of July 2019. We are thrilled, and it is seriously one of the best things to ever happen to us. And we are looking forward to meeting our little one. We don't know yet if it's a boy or a girl. Um, My husband's hoping for a boy, but honestly, we will love whatever we get. And my first trimester has been like a mix of everything. Certainly not as bad as what other women go through, but I've had everything from morning sickness to evening sickness to all day sickness to vertigo and heartburn. And it makes me appreciate anyone who has ever carried a baby. Oh my goodness, our bodies are amazing and the emotional and mental fortitude required to give life to a child is just, it's exhilarating. And I really just want to say thank you to everyone out there who has gone through that process. And if you aren't able to go through that process, but you want to, just know that I am praying that you can, because it's incredible. I mean, sickness aside, it's fun. All right, guys. So I got that out of the way. I've been wanting to tell you for a long time, but I was like, no, better wait. You know, that whole stigma about waiting until the end of the first trimester. But I want you guys to know that I will still be here in the same ways I have always been. And I am growing my team so that I can take maternity leave for a few months 
And that's not going to negatively affect the way I serve you or the way I show up here on the podcast. So without further ado, let's talk about decluttering your marketing. I don't know about you guys, but I love the word declutter. It makes me feel powerful and empowered, like I am in control of my space or my mind or my business because it helps me weed out the things that I really don't need to think about or do or look at anymore. And it helps me focus on the things that do matter. Now, if you had known my husband and I personally for any length of time, you'd know that we're pretty much obsessed with the idea of decluttering, especially my husband. Like, it's kind of hilarious. Right now, we have a temporary living situation, and we've got about 900 square feet in which to put our personal belongings and live life together. And it has been somewhat of a struggle, but... We make it work because we've realized how little we actually need to live a happy life. And it's interesting if you apply that same concept to your business, more specifically to your business marketing, you realize how much time and money you are likely wasting on doing all these marketing tasks that you just think you should be doing, but you never stopped to look at, does this make sense for me? Is it working for me? Does it even look right for my target client? Once you can weed out the things you don't need to be doing anymore, not only does it save you time and potentially money, but it helps you focus on the ROI producing things that actually work. And there is nothing more refreshing than realizing you do not have to be working as hard to market your business as you were all the past year. So here is what you need to do. These are all action items. They are not ideas. They are not concepts. You can walk away from this episode and go do them right away and you can get it done in an hour or less. So it is very tactile. It is very actionable. I want you guys to put these things into practice. First, let's get in the right mindset. Picture your business as a house that you've lived in for at least a year. You know it doesn't even take a full year for you to start accumulating stuff that you just don't need. So picture yourself walking into your home or walk around your actual home as you listen to this and look at all the things that you don't like anymore or that are worn out or that you don't need in your life or things that you're like, how long has that been there? Like, I don't even know, like, why is it here? And then think about your business, carry that same mindset into your marketing and list everything you are currently doing or outsourcing related to marketing your business. This means listing every social media platform on which you have some sort of presence, whether it's big or small, This means listing any websites that you have, and if you have only one website, that's fine, but you better have at least one, my goodness. And make sure that you're also listing any print advertising that you're doing, any digital advertising, whether that would be social media ads, Google AdWords, or anything like that. You need to make a comprehensive list of everything you're doing. So that would be events that you're attending or events that you're hosting, collaborations that you're doing or have done. So just go through 2018 and think, okay, what did I do or what did I pay someone to do for me that was meant to bolster my marketing? 
Next, put a star or a check mark right by all the social media platforms that you just aren't using or that you don't like. Now, I see a lot of people in the design industry specifically on Twitter, but they hardly ever use it. And honestly, guys, Twitter is so irrelevant to your industry that you really should go delete your account right now. It is not worth your time or your effort. In fact, to be successful on Twitter, you need to be tweeting about 10 to 15 times per day. I don't know about you, but I don't have time for that. Plus, your ideal client is likely not on Twitter. Now, if you've done a ton of market research and you know for a fact that your ideal client is on Twitter, then by all means, continue. But the majority of you will not find your ideal client there. Your ideal client is likely going to be on Instagram or Facebook. All right, so after you have crossed out the social media platforms that you don't like or are not using, now you need to put a little star or a check mark or some sort of symbol next to each marketing action item that has questionable ROI. So it doesn't mean it has no ROI, but if you're like, you know, I am not sure if this has actually helped my business, just you can put a question mark by it because you're going to have to go check that out. The worst thing you can do for your marketing is keep doing the same things over and over again, but expect it to suddenly start working for you. I believe that is actually the definition of insanity. If you keep doing the same things, but expect different results, it's just not going to work. But before you get all crazy with that red pen and start crossing off things, I want you to understand what a return on your investment will look like for different types of marketing efforts. So social media ROI looks like increased traffic to your website. It does not, and I repeat, does not look like more fans. Because here's the deal, guys. The whole point of social media is to start your sales funnel. It is to send people from that social platform to your website. Because social media is rented territory for you, whereas your website is yours. That is land that you own. That is valuable real estate that no one can take away from you. So you have to make sure that you are sending people to your website and not just focused on amassing the fans or the likes because at the end of the day that will not translate into money or projects or new clients. If you aren't sure how to send people from social media to your website, here are a few quick tips I can give you. First of all, if you write blog posts on the regular, make sure you're sharing them on Facebook or link to them in your Instagram profile. So everyone with an Instagram business account can put a link in their profile and it makes it easy for people to go straight from that social platform to your website. And when you're posting other things on Instagram, you can always say, to see more about this, click the link in my bio. That's a simple call to action that reminds people, hey, there is way more of me for you to see. Now, let's talk about the ROI for print advertising. This can be anything from postcards to magazine ads, and it is a trickier thing to track because we don't get to look at a bunch of stats as we would with a digital ad. Instead, we have to just gauge it based on 
Are we getting more phone calls that correlate with the release of this ad or the sending of these postcards? And you have to be very in tune with the timing and with your audience. So if you sent out postcards last year and you didn't notice any uptick in the phone calls or emails your business was receiving, that means those postcards were not effective. And quite honestly, print advertising is so expensive. The cost per lead is just extraordinarily high compared to digital advertising and it can be difficult to track. So you've probably guessed I'm not a huge fan of print advertising, but if it works for you, you should keep doing it. However, if you aren't sure if it works for you, you need to figure that out before you do it again. If you're looking for a more direct way to track the ROI of print advertising or snail mail advertising, make sure that you include a coupon or promo code on each ad or item that you mail out. That way when people contact you as a result of seeing that, they can say, hey, and I want to use this promo code. Now maybe that promo code is for um, a discovery call or it's for 10% off of something. You don't want it to be a really, really big sale because you don't want to discount you, your brand, or your services. You just want to put some sort of code in there so that you know, okay, this person called me or emailed me as a result of that particular marketing effort. You can also use that method with digital ads, but the good thing about digital ads, whether they're Google AdWords or social media ads, is that you can actually look at data and it will tell you how many people saw the ad, how many people clicked, and how many converted. So it's so easy to track. But even with digital ads, I say, please be careful. Do not make advertising replace your marketing. They're two very different things. Advertising is all about saying, hey, look at me, look at me. Marketing is about saying, hey, I want to know you. It's about the relationship. It's a long-term game that provides much bigger results. All right, now let's talk about the ROI of email marketing. I want you guys to understand that email marketing is the only non-negotiable marketing piece that you should never stop doing. If you don't see an ROI for it, just tweak how you're doing it, but do not stop doing it. And here is why. Email marketing is 40 times more effective than Facebook. Yes, and that's good news, hallelujah, for so many of us because I know a lot of you are getting fed up with Facebook. I mean, they make you pay for everything now. If you want someone to see your post, you've got to boost it. If you want someone to find your page, you have to pay for an ad. So email marketing is a classic. It is a staple, but it is so underused, which is sad because it's so effective. Now, if you're wondering how to tell if your email marketing is working, you need to look at your open rate. If your open rate is 20% or higher, and this is of course, if you're sending consistently every four weeks or once a month, then you know that your efforts are working, people are interested in what you have to say, and it's only a matter of time before they start replying, booking consults, and getting projects on the schedule with you. You have to be consistent with email marketing. There is no such thing as a marketing tactic that will result in instant sales, but 
Email marketing is the end of your sales funnel, which means that is where people are most likely to convert. And that's why it's so much more effective than social media because social media is just the beginning of your sales funnel. So expecting people to go from social media straight to your schedule, like actually hiring you, is a pipe dream. It will happen sometimes, but very rarely and not dependably. Whereas when people are receiving your email newsletter every single month, they get to know you, they get educated and inspired by your ideas, and they end up replying. The whole point of an email newsletter is to start a conversation. Because my team and I have been creating email newsletters for the home industry for a couple years now, we have recognized a few different things that your email newsletter must absolutely have in order to get a good return on your investment. The good news is your investment is often very, very small. Either you work with someone like us to get your newsletter created or you do it on your own. Either way, here are the things that you need to include to make sure your newsletter is effective. First of all, you should only have one topic per newsletter and it should be personable, not salesy. If you only email people when you have some sort of promotion or sale going on, they're going to click you into spam just like everyone else because people are overwhelmed with salesy messages, but they are starving for personal connection. You need to also make sure that your newsletter is 300 words or less. Do not send people an entire expose. They do not want that. You also need to make sure that you include three to four images. And make sure your subject line is interesting, enticing, but not misleading. Also make sure to include your headshot and your bio. And make sure your content is inspiring or helpful while also being relevant to your ideal client. So you absolutely have to know the type of person you're talking to. If you try to talk to everyone, it will resonate with no one. All right, now that we've gone through and assessed what you're doing and whether or not it's working, it's time to take action and change your marketing. And I'm going to share with you the three rules for decluttering your marketing right after our short sponsor break. Hey, interior designers. How much time are you currently spending creating floor plans, furniture arrangements, or sourcing product, or creating mood boards. Well, here's the good news. You do not have to keep spending many, many precious hours of your time on these things that you could actually hand off to someone else. Now, I'm not suggesting that you hire an employee or that you add another person to your in-house team because that's not always a good fit for everyone. From a legal and tax standpoint, having an employee can be expensive and it can also be risky, which is why I am really excited to introduce you guys to my friend Brittany Elms of My Design Assistant. So Brittany specializes in virtual assistant services exactly and specifically for interior designers so that you can spend more time growing your business, your brand, and getting the publicity that you deserve without spending hours creating those mood boards or sourcing those products. Because we know these things are very important to your design process, but the good news is it doesn't all have to be done by you. So if you're ready to take your business to the next level and start outsourcing things that you don't necessarily have to have your hands in, go over to mydesignassistant.com 
check out Brittany's services, her reviews, and book a time with her online. Head over to mydesignassistant.com to get started. All right, guys, it is time to take some serious action in decluttering your marketing. Here's what we're going to do. I need you to grab a notebook and a pen. If you're driving, you can wait. But if you are able to do this right now as I walk you through it, it's going to make it a lot easier for you. Now, here's what you need to do. List every referral source by which your leads found you over the past year. So we just came into 2019, so think about 2018 and list every single way your people found you, even if you didn't end up working with them. Just list where all your leads are coming from. Now, they could be coming from anywhere. They could be coming from word of mouth. Your It could be past clients coming to you again for more work, which is a very good sign. And you need to make sure that you are starting to sort these people out by, okay, this one became a client, this one did not for whatever reason, and then sort out which referral sources are the most valuable. It's one thing if a referral source sends you someone, but if that person doesn't convert and that becomes a trend for that particular referral source, chances are that's not a good referral source for you. So make sure you're tracking where these leads are coming from. And you should be asking every lead the question, how did you find me? Or at least including that question in an initial contact form, say on your website or a normal form that you would have anyone fill out before meeting with you for that initial meeting. A few common referral sources include repeat clients from your newsletter, referrals from past clients, word of mouth, which is often heightened by a regular email newsletter being sent out, social media, although that is extremely rare and I do not want you to depend on that. It could also be that people are finding you organically because your SEO is really good on Google. They're finding your website. They don't know you from Adam, but they like what they see. That is such a good sign. So if you wanna know how you're doing with that, you need to use Google Analytics. See where your traffic is coming from. See what keywords you're ranking for. And while you're in there, check the bounce rate of your website. Because if people are landing on your site and leaving without clicking anything or contacting you, it means there's something not resonating with them and you need to make sure it's fixed ASAP. You may also be getting leads from print advertising, events, collaborations that you did, or digital ads. You need to track down exactly which referral sources are the most lucrative for you. Then you need to make those your focus. If there are some sources that brought you just a few leads over 2018, don't like write them off entirely, but put them on the back burner, especially if they were costing you money. You don't need to allocate funds for something that really wasn't paying you back. So focus on what works. If after doing this exercise, you find that you only have a couple referral sources that actually work for you, don't get upset about that. It's actually a good sign. It's better to have a few really solid referral sources than to have a bunch of mediocre ones. So think about what your goals are for revenue in the new year compared to 2018 and break down how many clients you need to get each month and then figure out if your best referral sources can support that. 
If not, you may need to go searching for a second or a third or a fourth referral source, but chances are you are going to be solid with three referral sources. And this leads me into the rule of three for marketing your business. Now, as a little backstory, I came up with the rule of three after consulting with and working with many interior designers and stagers and workrooms, not just in the US, but also in the UK and Australia and Canada, where we all have the same issues. We feel so burdened and overwhelmed to spread ourselves as thin as we possibly can because we want to make sure that we show up everywhere. But guys, that is not sustainable. That's way above most people's marketing budgets and it just doesn't work. So the rule of three is meant to help you rein in your focus and rein in your spending and make sure that you're only doing things that actually work for you. So the rule of three is this. In order to successfully market your business, you need three outside referral sources. The first one should be a physical or offline group or network that you are involved in personally. The second should be a collaborator of some sort. So if you are a trade only window treatment designer, you could pair up with an interior designer or an interior design organization. That way you can get connected with more of your potential clients, which would be the designer. If you're a home stager, this would mean partnering up with a broker or real estate agent. That one's pretty commonly known. If you are an interior designer, this would mean partnering up with a builder or a remodeler. And I know that a lot of that is common sense to you guys, but I do need to say it because if you have not ever gotten into a long-term collaboration with someone, you need to. Choose the right partner, be careful in it, and if you need to have some sort of agreement written up, make sure a lawyer reviews it. But you need to have that person who also serves your ideal client, but in a different non-competing way so that you can actually help bolster each other's businesses in the real world. The third outside referral source you need is a source of publicity. Now, this can take many different forms. It means you could sponsor someone or sponsor an event. It means that you could run a very strategic type of ad, but again, only one. So to recap, you need to be in a group or a network. This includes being in some sort of club where your ideal client already is. It means having a collaborator that also serves your ideal client. And it also means having a source of publicity. Now, some of you are featured by HGTV and other sources like that. That fulfills that gap for you. And you need to make sure that if you go that route, you're being featured at least once a quarter. But if you just haven't gotten there yet and those shelter magazines aren't banging on your door, it's okay. You need to make sure that you are getting your name out there in some other way. So if you want to sponsor an event, make sure it's an event that your ideal client will be attending. Or if you're running an ad, make sure it's where your ideal client will see it. 
So that is how the rule of three applies to the outside referral sources for marketing your business. But it also applies to your internal marketing. You need to have three avenues in which you or a subcontractor is marketing your business. The first one is social media. Choose one platform. The second one is email marketing. And the third would be an offline method. Now, don't overthink the offline method. Some people seriously just put a decal on the back of window of their car. This works well if you're often parked in neighborhoods where your ideal client might live or if you're driving around town quite a bit. There is so much to be said for simply making yourself visible like that. And just make sure that if you go that route that your decal looks professional. It doesn't have too many words on it. It would just need your logo, your tagline, and your website. You could also put your phone number on there, but don't cram it full of so much information that no one retains anything. You could also do other things. You don't have to rely on a decal on your car. Maybe it simply means you should put a big banner up in your friend's storefront if he or she will let you. It's something that is simple, but makes you present as long as you're putting it in a place where you know your ideal client will see it. It's not something that should cost you an arm and a leg either. Now, I want to back up for a minute and explain why I said you should only be on one social media platform. I say this because so many of us are pressured to be on a bunch of social platforms. It gets expensive with our time and with our money. So, I want you guys to either be on Instagram or Facebook and I want you to post three times per week. If you want to do more, feel welcome to do that. But if you just do three times a week, you're going to be okay. And my secret recipe for making this really, really easy is this. Choose Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or three other days, but be consistent. And every Monday, post a photo of your work. Every Wednesday, post something behind the scenes. And every Friday, share a tip. Now, you can change the theme of those days if you would like. If you're comfortable sharing something personal, then share something personal on Fridays. And when you do that, it actually makes social media a breeze because that means you only need four photos of your work every month, you only need four tips every month, and you only need four behind the scenes or personal photos of yourself every month. That equals 12 posts per month and then your social media marketing is done. When you show up at least three times a week like that and showcase different facets of you and your business, it is enough for people to see what you do and appreciate who you are and how you can help them. So you can see how the rule of three applies even within how much you post on social media. Now with your email marketing, that will look a little bit different. Email marketing, as I said earlier, is 40 times more effective than Facebook. It is not negotiable. You should always be doing email marketing, especially if your pipeline is getting low and you aren't sure where your next project is coming from. You should be sending one email newsletter every four weeks. If you want to do it every two or three weeks, just be careful because what I have seen over the past few years is a trend in how more frequent sending relates to more unsubscribes and a lower open rate because people will start to feel bombarded by you. But if you only send a newsletter every other month, the opposite will also happen. People will forget about you 
and then they'll suddenly hear from you be alarmed by it and they'll unsubscribe. So the sweet spot that we have found after sending hundreds and hundreds of email newsletters for ourselves and for our clients is sending once a month or every four weeks is perfect. This means you only need 12 newsletters every year and it makes that colossal task of email marketing suddenly become very easy. Now a lot of you already know this but we create email newsletters for designers, stagers, and workrooms. So if that is something you want to start doing in 2019, you need to head over to socialitevault.com or you can go to katethesocialite.com and click on newsletters under our services section. We are here to make this easy for you guys and we have several years worth of email newsletters in our vault at any given time. Plus, we've got branded magazines, lead magnets, social media ads, and we're going to be releasing mood boards, product catalogs, and so many more things in this new year. So we're very excited for how this is going to further bolster your marketing while saving you a ton of money and most of all, a ton of time. Plus, we make sure that when we deliver things, they actually have an ROI for you. So if you're worried about the ROI of your marketing, if you aren't happy with the referral sources and what they've brought you in 2018, it's time to make these changes. So as a quick recap, list everything that you're currently doing to market your business. Cross out the things that you don't like doing or that you simply don't do anymore, like that silly Twitter account. And then put a little check mark by things that you need to check out and see if they're actually working for you. And then circle things that definitely worked for you and focus on those. The only exception, like I said, is email marketing. Don't stop doing it, but if it's not working for you, talk to somebody, whether it's somebody on my team or some other email marketer who can help you assess what you're doing wrong so that it will start working for you. Now, guys, thank you so much for being avid listeners of this podcast. I can't believe I've been doing this for almost a year already. It is insane, and I am just so blessed. So thank you so much for listening. And until next time, keep your marketing simple and your message clear. Thanks for listening. Visit us at thekateshowpodcast.com, where we empower home professionals with marketing confidence.